Welcome to the Movers Resource Guide podcast, connecting you to the resources you need to create success. We chat with the best vendors, associations, mentors, movers, and more, giving you the information you need to make your moving company the best it can be. Today, our guest is Ed Katz from the International Office Moving Institute. Ed and I had a great conversation about why you would want to diversify into office moving, some of the pros and cons that are involved in that, and what's the best way to break into the office moving space. Ed has a ton of experience and is one of the foremost authorities on office moving and training movers how to become office movers. There's a lot to learn from Ed. I hope you guys gain as much from this conversation as I did. Uh, Enjoy. All right. Welcome, Ed. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Um, Can't wait to talk about everything exciting in the the fun world of of office moving. Um, Welcome. Thanks for the invite. It's an honor to be on your venue. I really mean that. <laughs> Thank you very much. So we're, we're kind of getting to a point or we're at a point now where a lot of moving companies have slowed down. Uh, the local moves, the COD market, home closings are down. And uh, we're all kind of, not necessarily all of us, but a lot of moving companies are kind of scratching to, to diversify to make sure that they level off their their revenue and find other things for their crews to do so they don't lose them. Uh, so it's a good time to talk about diversifying your moving company. And so we thought it would be great to bring you on and, and talk about, you know, office moving and diversifying into office moving. And so we're excited to talk about that and to start it off. Um, you know, why would we want to diversify into office moving? Well, I can only tell you from my own experience back in 1976, I'm probably as old as, your great-grandfathers, so those of you who are listening here. But <laughs> when I started my moving company, I needed revenue. We did apartment moves, we did house moves, and we dabbled in office moving. I couldn't wait to get out of residential moving for all the reasons you people already know. But I can tell you this. With office moving, you have the potential for fewer claims. You know, the furniture that you're moving is used furniture. It already has nicks, dents, rubs, gouges, all these things. So it's not yeah. like it's brand new uh, furniture. And I found that when you're a hired hand of a corporation and you work in an office environment, you're not emotionally involved with your furniture. You don't own it. You inherit it from some great grandma or something. Right. <laughs> So you're not emotionally attached. I'll never forget this. When we started my moving company, like first year, we were screamed at and yelled at by some residential shipper. Your man sweated on my white satin sofa. Give me a break, lady. It's 95 degrees outside. It's humid in Atlanta. We're trying to work fast because you have a stopwatch on us. Yeah. And we sweated on your sofa. I mean, I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't wait to go full-time local office moving. The other thing is some residential shippers are unscrupulous. I really feel based on my experience back in the day that some unscrupulous residential shippers will try to lower the cost of the move by uh, what faking damage claims and getting you to, refurbish or replace 
some old furniture that you they allege you damaged? I, I don't know. I, I tell you what, Ed, I can't tell you how many times I've sent a piece of furniture to a repair shop and I get the phone call back from them and they say, you know, you didn't do this damage, right? And I said, oh. I'm pretty sure, but I can't convince the customer of that. And they're like, okay, well, there's seven layers or 15 layers of pledge in this gouge that you supposedly did. And it's like, well, since I can't convince my customer of that, I have to go ahead and get it fixed to protect our reputation. So it can get very frustrating. Yes. Yes. And you guys today have a gun held to your head. It's called Yelp. And I notice it. I mean, all these moving companies have 4.5 or five stars for their rating. And that tells me you're 60 cents per pound per article. I don't think so. You're probably throwing money at claims that you normally would not have if there had not been Yelps or Kutsu or whatever the social media is that publicizes a, you know, oh, this customer, this shipper was unhappy with you. See, that <clears throat> that virtually goes away on an office move. The other thing yeah. is the profit margins on an office move are, in my opinion, a lot higher than on a household goods shipment. You know, what is gross profit? My definition of it is if you had a, uh, let's just say a $10,000 local office move, which is not large, but it's a decent right. size. Mm-hmm. And you subtracted the actual labor costs, the supervisors, the drivers, the foremen, the mover helpers. So that's your labor costs. Yep. And then you subtracted the salesperson's commission who booked the move, eight, nine, 10%, whatever you want to pick. Yep. And then you subtracted the actual cost of your packing material that you use on that job. Mm-hmm. And then I would also say there's a depreciation charge of the truck and the rolling stock, the dollies, the panel carts. So because you're using them and they're going to start wearing out if you use them. Yes. If you were to subtract all those expenses from revenue, I found on average it was 50%. So when I sold my moving company back in 2000, we did around 4 million in local office moving revenue, which probably today would be about seven and a half million. But let's go back to 2000 yeah. revenue, 4 million gross revenue, gross profit margin should be around $2 million before we subtracted administrative costs, yeah, all your overhead salaries and, and you know, all the other stuff. Yeah. So that's why it's, I thought it was pretty profitable. Yeah. And the other beauty of office moving is there's no busy season. It's not seasonal. It's steady year round. I was amazed how many moves we did in November, December, January, and February. I guess if we had any slow month at all, Brian, it was August. And that wasn't even slow, but slower than the other months because Apparently, at least in Atlanta, a lot of our clients' decision makers would go on vacation and they wanted to be there during the move. So they didn't, they might postpone their move till September. Yeah. But I can tell you, we did some of our largest moves over Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because you got Wednesday afternoon, you got Thursday, you got Friday, you got Saturday, you got Sunday. And all those days give you a bigger window of time when you can be shut down and, and, and do the move. So yeah, it's, I, it's, and that's what really attracted us to office moving at the start was 
it's, it has a flatter demand curve and in the moving industry, a lot of times we try to find more work. And you know, what I found at one point is the more real estate relationships we build and the, the more real estate agents that count on us, the, the steeper and steeper that demand curve gets in the summer. And you can never fulfill all those relationships in the summer in order to have yourself busy enough to survive in the winter. And it just gets harder and harder to, and you put more and more pressure on yourself in the summer to get all that work done. And so we really started seeking out those things in the moving industry, such as senior moving or office moving that have a more of a flat demand curve. Um, so that I think right now, especially when things are slowing down, that's uh, a really, really good uh, <laughs> reason to diversify into this. I mean, I, I've always loved it. And it, the other thing is, let's say we're going into recession right now. We were just as busy in a recession as we were in boom times, because when companies lay off employees, they want to move to smaller space to cut their overhead. And they're not going to just dispose of their furniture. They're going to want to store it. So we our stores revenue increased during recessions. Okay. We still did moves, only we moved furniture to our warehouse and we moved it to a newer building new space, but they were consolidating. And then on the other side of that is during boom times and they're hiring and they don't have enough space. My goodness, one of our clients, Rockwell International rented trailers so they could lease more space. I mean, trailers, like construction site trailers, they put several trailers and we moved their new employees or their teams into these trailers because they couldn't get space fast enough on their campus or buildings. So we were busy during boom times and busy during uh, recessions. Which is fantastic. I mean, you got to love that. Um, And and even now, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I also found it's, it's so much easier to get labor. Look, if you're doing a residential move, and you got three guys or four guys on the move. The movers that carry the furniture from upstairs, the, the the dresser from the bedroom down to the truck. Yeah. They better be high skilled with a lot of experience. They're going through a minefield, aren't they? You know, maybe yes. spiral staircase, maybe chandelier hanging in the foyer, <laughs> narrow doors. Yeah. Bulky furniture going through small corridors and all that. So the whole crew has to be high skill, high experience. On an office move, if you do it right, it's like an assembly line, a human conveyor belt. So you have key positions, as you know, because you've taken my IOMI online training. Yeah. You have key positions where you need high skill, high experience. The two movers who dolly up the furniture and get it on a dolly or on a panel cart need to be high skilled. We know that. Right. Right. Pushers that push it from where it's dollied up to the elevator, for example, they can have little little or no experience. They need to be trained so that they know what they're doing, but they're just pushers. We had women working for us as pushers. We did. Anybody can push furniture that's on a four-wheel dolly. And then from the elevator exit in the lobby out to the truck, again, pushers. So that Gives you, on average, you can have on a bucket brigade like that, 40% of your labor can be totally unskilled, yeah, little or no experience, but trained. So they know how to behave you know, yeah. on the 
job. So which, I mean, which really lowers your cost of labor. Right. Oh, yeah. yes. And now every state is different, but in Atlanta, we didn't pay overtime until an employee worked more than 40 hours in a pay period. So I know you're New York, and I'm sure uh, as soon as it's one second past 5 p.m., you got to pay overtime. But no, the- no, in New York, it's it's over 40 hours. I, I think uh, I, I want to say unless you're in some sort of, uh, and, and I may be wrong on this, but unless you're in some sort of uh, labor union, uh, I don't think that that comes into wow. play. Kudos to New York. Well, our pay period ran from 12 and 1 a.m. Thursday, 12 and 1 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, excuse me, Wednesday evening, Wednesday, Wednesday night at, at midnight. So we tried to book the lion's share of our business from 6 p.m. to 11 Thursday evening, overtime rate. 6 p.m. Friday to 11 p.m., overtime rate. All day Saturday, overtime rate. All day Sunday, overtime rate. Monday evening, 6 p.m. to 11. So by Monday evening at 11 or night uh, at 11 p.m., most of our movers had 40 hours of business in. We tried to virtually shut down Tuesday and Wednesday because I don't want to give the profits back in overtime. We tried to book as little business as possible Tuesday and Wednesday. So here we're billing out. Think about this. We're billing out at the overtime break Mm -hmm. for the most part we are paying our labor regular time rate. And then, of course, at evenings and weekends is when we had all these part-time people working for us, but they weren't even, not even close to 40 hours. Yeah. I, obviously, you can't do a job without a supervisor or without a driver. So our drivers and our supervisors, sure, they had overtime pay typically every week because, you know, they're working all the hours. But we yeah. managed, we measured and managed the number of hours an employee had per day in every work pay period to try to keep them somewhere between 32 and 40 hours. Cause you know, if you don't give somebody 32 hours, at least you're going to lose them out of their you're paying per hour. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I may pull you off track here a little bit, but one of the things that, that I picked up on there that you talked about is you're doing a lot of these moves in on evenings and weekends. Right. So from a diversification standpoint, and some movers may not want to work on nights and weekends, but you now can utilize your trucks more thoroughly. Um, You know, you can do more moves now without adding extra overhead to, to, to what your costs are. If you can estimate accurately, as we did with my proprietary estimating formula that's based on man hours and not cube in pounds and that because <laughs> there's an elevator, why not 6% or 12%? Yeah, I used to say, but <laughs> Cuban pounds have nothing to do with estimating accurately for an office move. But if you can estimate accurately, we tried to do the moves that we could do during the day, during the week, let's say from a single story building to a single story building where there's no elevator or for an internal move, one side of the floor to the other. We tried to have those moves finished by four o'clock in the afternoon so they could be back at our base by 4 35 o'clock so we could send that same truck and dollies out again on an evening move with a different crew or if, if guys needed hours in the pay period they're not lifting carrying or stacking everything stays on the dolly on the floor of yeah. the truck so they could go out not every day but they could work another five or six hours because they're not carrying yeah. so we could recycle the trucks, recycle the rolling stock, the dollies, the panel carts, commercial bins, 
And we did, again, $4 million worth of local revenue with 11 trucks because we knew the jobs, when they would finish, they come back, we send them out again, the, you know, the trucks. And again, as I said, if we needed employees that needed hours, we'd recycle them in effect to recycle yeah. employees. You know. <laughs> uh, but I would tell you that you just brought up a good point. Maybe one of the cons, and there are many cons in office movie, but one of the cons is you have to be able to do a lion's share of your business from 6 p.m. to 11 so that you have exclusive use, not sharing an elevator with anybody but your moving crew. Because if if the elevator gets to the 10th floor and opens up for you to push furniture on, if it's full of UPS people or somebody making a furniture delivery into the building or another moving company, God forbid, yeah, and the clock keeps ticking. So you you can't share the elevator with anybody. You can't stop at every floor. It has to be on independent service. It has to go from the floor you're on down to the loading area or receiving area. So that's why these moves have to go from usually a high rise building six p.m. to eleven, and you have to do it when you have exclusive use of the elevator. Because yeah, there's sense, right, but so you have to work nights, weekends. In the holidays, July 4th weekend, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, Thanksgiving, are your giant moves, 30, 40, 50 truckloads. You yeah. can move 8, 10, 12 truckloads a day, you know, and you do that. You need that window of time for, you know, the 40, 50, 60, $70,000 moves. So, I mean, yeah. so you, but. A lot of times you can, as I say, you have a lot of part-timers. They want the extra hours, the extra work, to augment their, their full-time job. Yeah. Uh, but it, it can be, I had one client in California say, we don't want to have to be on call on a, on a weekend. And that's your right. But you no, can't it, be an it, office it, mover then, right? Yeah, and I get that. I mean, you know, you you want to want to live your life too and and some movers might be big enough where they have people that can do that right. or they could hire that. And, um, you know, if you want to diversify, you got to start somewhere and it might have to be you for a while. Right. right. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's another negative. That's another con shame on you. If you have a job out and you don't have somebody on call because trucks get flat tires, trucks break down, people get lost. Yeah. It's pick up on the job and you got to be a phone call away when you have a job out somebody. Yeah. And now EdCast wasn't the only one on call. We had different people on call, you know, like <laughs> weekends. You know, doctors maybe once every four weeks or once a month, they're the ones on call for the weekend. Right. Yeah. And our 24 seven, whatever. But it's the same thing with an office move. You've got to have somebody on calls that they can call when there's a job out, right? So that yeah. can be construed as a negative con, you know, con, I guess. Well, let's so give us a couple more cons uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll come back from the negatives and, and we'll talk about a funny story here. There are no more no more cons. Everybody no more cons. That's it. <laughs> send your money to Ed Katz. I'm on a fixed income. Here. Well, another con is you have got to invest in a lot of rolling stock. You have, if you're going to do an office move, you cannot do it the way you do a house school a residential yeah. move. You cannot stack the furniture floor to ceiling, front to rear. You you'll never get a job. You're gonna you kill yourselves. It's it, the furniture's too heavy. First of all, to stack. 
You once it's placed on a four-wheel dolly, it should stay on the dolly until it arrives safely inside the new location. We call it the floating method, and it stays on the dolly on the floor of the truck. Brian, you know this. You still pad it, position it, tie it off. But it's yes. a different world. So when we say truckload, we're not talking about what do you call it, 12, 1400 cube? Or, <laughs> I don't care about cubic feet because we don't stack it. It's right. floated. It's floated. But you better own a lot of four wheel dollies. Just to give an example, if you have a 26 foot flat floor box truck, yeah. we on average could carry 40 dolly loads. That means 40 four wheel dollies worth of furniture on a straight truck. If you're doing a load and go, load and deliver where the crew works together and goes, all together to the destination at the same time. That's three straight trucks. You better have 120 four-wheel dollars on that job. So you have to invest. And if you invest, you better keep up with your equipment. A four-wheel dolly that's high quality is $30, $40, $50. Yeah. So that's a con. And another con is, you've heard the cliche, cash is king, right? What does that mean? That means you could be very profitable, very successful and go bankrupt because you can't pay your your accounts payables because you don't have the money coming in fast enough. Yeah. If you're smart and you're an office mover. If it's a move of $5,000 or less, you say our policy is you prepay the move before we set foot inside your space. So now you've got cash in hand to do the move. They prepay. Yeah. And then if there's... If we charge time and material, we'll give you a refund on the net difference, whatever it is. If it's a move of more than five thousand dollars, it's an eighteen thousand dollar move. You got to ask for fifty percent down. Now, let me tell you something: Intel, Microsoft, Amazon—they ain't paying you fifty percent down. <laughs> so you better be able to have a line of credit because it is what it is, and your rates are behind up, so you can afford this thing called a line of credit with you're going to pay around two percent above prime at a minimum yeah and if prime's at seven percent you're paying nine percent on that money your rates better be high enough to find your receivables but that's a con you need to be a banker right and know how to manage your money yeah and and sometimes you have to say no to that job that isn't going to pay you right away because you don't have the cash flow to 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 float the money for them you're right. not a bank then you can't right. Uh, so you gotta you gotta choose wisely on those sometimes. Yes, for sure. So we're we're a little past halfway here. So I'd like to take a little uh, little little break. We we like to hear a funny or crazy moving story because uh, you know we all need to laugh a little bit sometimes. So give us a, a quick story about something that happened in the the world of Ed Cats while you were running your office moving company. Well, anybody that knows me knows I'm an alcoholic and I'm crazy, and there's a reason for it. <laughs> I can give you hundreds of examples, but I'll give you one of them. So it's now seven o'clock in the evening on a Sunday. I'm at home. I'm already on to my second bottle of Merlot. Hey, I'm a former owner of a moving company. I'm an alcoholic. I mean, it is what it is. So anyhow, I get a call from somebody that says, this is Officer Jones from the Hellfire Missile Division of Rockwell International up here in Duluth, Georgia. Are you the Mr. Katz that owns Peachtree Movers? I said, yeah. Well, you need to come up here right away because I have one of your employees here. And I'm thinking, this is before the days of 
I, I, I'm thinking of WTF, if anybody knows what that means. Yes, yes. Well, leave me alone. I'm 7 o'clock at home. With, anyhow, they call. I wasn't even on call that weekend. But anyhow, I get this call. I, drive, I should not have, but I drove from Dunwoody, Georgia, all the way up to Duluth, Georgia, about 35 minutes north of where I live. Mm-hmm. And I get there, and here's the rest of the story. This security guard, we did a big move that Sunday. We had about 22 men, three trucks, campus of buildings going from one building to another, sending crew, receiving crew, whatever. So it's a high secure building. I mean, they manufacture and design the Hellfire missile. Okay. So it's great. So there are three elevators that go from the ground floor to the fourth floor where we're doing this move. And only one of them is a freight elevator. The other two don't work and it's on independent service. So apparently around 5.15 in the afternoon the job finishes the crew leaves the building they go downstairs on the last trip of the elevator it's open now you know doors are open at the loading dock yeah and they take off they get in the trucks and they leave so unbeknownst to everybody one of our newbies you know a guy that's worked for us saturday for the first time and now sunday he's working oh no yes he comes out of the can out of the men's room <laughs> nobody's there he's like, hey, what's, where's everybody you know he runs to the window and he looks out in the parking lot and everybody's getting in the trucks and the vans and they're leaving and he's banging on the window he's you know four floors up they don't hear him so he runs to the elevator and pushes the button well the serve the passenger elevators they don't work because it's a secure building and the one elevator that works is locked open down at the loading dock the loading the- so he's panicking. He runs around the floor. I'm getting all this from the security guard. who, yeah. And he uh, sees two exit doors that have this big red bar across. Warning, stop. Alarm will sound if you push this bar. Well, he doesn't do that. He's scared to death, right? Scared he's going to get in trouble, yeah. Yeah, he's probably 17, 18 years old, this kid. And he's not <laughs> from that neighborhood. So anyhow. The security guard around seven o'clock at night, he has this back in the days, nothing was digital or anything. He has this strap. It looks like a purse, but in the in this leather pouch, he, he he's got this clock and he goes from floor to floor, one side of the floor to the other in this building to make his rounds. He's a security guard, checking, yeah. make sure everything's all right. And he gets to these little glass cabinets and he opens it up and takes a key out and he puts it in the clock and he turns it which registers on a round disc card that he's been at that place on the floor at that time of day he got that yeah so he gets to the fourth floor and he gets off the elevator and he thinks this I mean, he's telling me this story he thinks yeah. there's whimpering but he doesn't see anybody he says hello nope no, nobody responds. Mm-hmm. He walks halfway down the floor and he looks behind a desk where he hears the whimpering. And there's my newbie employee sitting on the floor with his back to the wall crying. Perfect. <laughs> oh the rest God. of the story is the same kid. He picks up the telephone. You and I wouldn't know this either. To get an outside line, you have to hit star eight. Well, nobody. So he, he can't he can't make a call. He's, yeah. he's just going to be trapped there to Bundy, you know, Bundy. Yeah. So that's why I got the call. So Mr. Katz picks this kid up, drives 35 minutes to like where I live. And then I drive another 40 minutes to where he lives. I shouldn't have been driving anyhow. 
You think that's funny, huh? So oh, we, have, I, <laughs> we had a new policy at Peachtree Movers starting Monday morning. Every time we had a new employee, we said, let me tell you something. If you go to the can, you go to the bathroom, you better tell three of your fellow employees, tell two of the other movers and tell the supervisor, I'm going in the bathroom. Don't leave me behind because Mr. Katz ain't coming to pick you up anymore. <laughs> I don't think that was funny. Oh Well, I mean, it, it is now looking back on it. It's a, it's a great story to tell, yeah. you know. <laughs> Nobody takes role. I mean, come on, give me a break. No, I arms guys, over, get in the trucks, we're all leave. Yeah, our maybe, guys wouldn't. Maybe I mean, they the supervisor go look in the bathroom or look under the doors of the stalls. I don't know, but don't call me. <laughs> oh well, I appreciate the story. That was uh, that was fun to listen to. So uh, you know, thank you for that. Um, so to dive back into it now, if if somebody's looking to diversify into office moving. What would be the best way that they could do that? Well, what I'm about to say is heresy, but here's the deal. Not all the time, but some of the time, the easiest way to get into the business is to hire a big producer, a salesperson who's got a great reputation of booking a lot of business. And if you hire him, he'll bring his book of business with him, his big customers that do all the moves only with him and they follow him. However, (laughs) it's not uncommon when you hire this big booker who gets a percentage of revenue, right? He's, yeah. He's on the revenue. He gets his commission. After he's at your place of business now with his big book of business for a couple of weeks or whatever, he's at his comfort level. And he says, hey, if you don't lower our price to this customer, we're going to lose them because we're not being competitive. So he, this salesperson has very little skin in the game. He just wants to keep the customer, make it easier for him to quote jobs and book moves. Yeah, And you're now not necessarily making a profit at these lower rates. So I, look, I know it's, it's, it's a way of, I have lots <laughs> of clients that are very successful at interviewing and training and hiring, whatever. All I can tell you is if you don't know anything about office moving, you're at the mercy of this salesperson who knows more about an office moving than you and could take advantage of you. So I'm, and, and I, I would I, say that if your crews haven't been, shown how to perform an office move too. How are you perform? How does he know how you're performing it versus how he's selling it? There could be a very big Delta there. Well, uh, who do you think he blames hundred percent of the time? If the job takes longer and costs more, it's a service failure. Wasn't my estimating. I mean, you, you don't know enough information is power. You don't know what he knows or she knows. And so now you're caught between a rock and a hard place. So I am not real excited about, hiring a booker who worked for somebody else or two or three other moving companies. Now it's your turn for him to work for you with his book of business. I don't know. So let's, let's, uh, let's go from the easiest way to the best way to get into this. Yeah. Which is not (laughs) the easiest, but here comes the commercial from Ed Katz. There we go. If you don't get trained before you get in to this business, you're crazy. Because this is not anything like household good. It's the, the process is different. Again, bucket brigade, not you know, you, human conveyor belt. Get the furniture out of the building onto the truck and get it from the truck back into the new space. That's a bucket brigade human conveyor belt. It's not like anything you've done in household good. And keeping the furniture on the dolly on the floor of the truck, you better learn how to load a truck our way so that yeah. you don't spend too much time you know, bottlenecking at the truck, 
trying to load the truck. Right. And how you manage and control the crew. It's a whole nother business. Yeah, you have trucks and you have labor, but that's about the only similarity. So I believe that you need to be trained first and you can't control employees if they know a lot more than you. You've got to at least know what to anticipate and expect so you can measure, so you can manage. So I'm a disciple and I'm the Pied Piper. Like you got to be trained before you do this or you're going to be sorry that you dabbled in office moving. You're going to get jobs because you're the lowest bidder. And you've underestimated the job, as we did before I knew what the heck I was doing. And I based it on cube and pounds. And, you know, cube, you got cube times seven. And a thousand pounds per hour. (laughs) You know, three men move a thousand pounds or a room of furniture per hour. It doesn't fit on estimated office move. And that's how, uh, you know, we would quote those office moves and and we would actually overquote them um, because we weren't performing the moves the right way so when we would bid on them we just wouldn't get them and there were once the office move got to a certain size and i think a lot of movers are like this it was i don't really want to dabble in that because i don't understand it and you know until we uh signed up with iomi and learned how to not only quote it competitively and correctly and then perform the move correctly you know did we really uh skyrocket uh, the number of jobs we were booking and and office moving and um and and then we were beating our quotes pretty pretty regularly so it was it was fantastic well i remember when i first started and i didn't know what i was doing and we got an architectural engineering firm that we moved with flat files Mm -hmm. and the job was supposed to finish at five o'clock on a saturday ed katz was driving around north lake park where there's a mall and office buildings with cash in my pocket, going up to people at street corner saying, hey, you want to earn some extra money? This is back oh, in wow. 1977. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm picking people up up off the street because my crew wants some mutiny and leave the job because they're killing themselves moving flat files. And we're not even near done. And it's, right. you know, job's supposed to finish around five. And it's we still got two more truckloads to unload. And I'm desperate. And I don't want these guys to walk off the job. And I'm picking people up off the street who I don't know anything about. But we had to get more manpower on this job. It was insane. And yeah. nobody wants to go through that. No, no. And uh, if you have the right tools, you have the right information, you have somebody that shows you how to do it. Um, you know, we were, you know, we would dabble with two, three, four thousand dollar office moves. And as soon as we went through the training and learned how to do everything right, immediately it was a ten thousand dollar office move, a fifteen thousand dollar office move, a hundred and twenty thousand dollar office move. Um, and and all of which we we handled really well, had rave reviews from the customer, got the jobs done on time. Um, and and without that training or that know-how or without somebody showing you how to do it the right way. We we still wouldn't be doing office moving. Would you agree with me? It's not qualitatively hard. It's quantitatively hard. It's a paradigm shift. It's so yeah. foreign from what you do on household good and residential. But it's not. It's, it's not, not hard to learn. No. It's just different. Just different. It's it's just somebody's got to show you how to do it, and uh, it, it's you got to have somebody that knows what they're doing to show you how, because it's, I mean, you figured it out on your own over time with a lot of pain, right? The school of hard knocks, but uh, they can't see me. Look at me. (laughs) 
I'm only I, thirty. I'm only thirty years old, and I look like I'm seventy-eight. I'm eighty-six. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we're uh, we're we're probably I don't know past our time here. Uh, but uh, if if people wanted to. We'll start with this. If people want to see you in person and shake your hand and talk to you, um, I know that. So I'm, I'm the president of the New York State Movers Association. We're going to see you the 17th and 18th out in Monticello, New York, uh, and you're going to speak to us out there. So if there's any New York State Movers, sign up for that conference. You'll get to see Ed in person. Um, but other than that, where are you going to be this uh, this fall that that people can come see you? I'm going to be uh, at the. Movers Titan Retreat in uh, Tampa, Florida. The last week of September, I urge all of you, if you want to find out more about it, it's a wonderful, wonderful venue to attend. This is my third or fourth one. I cannot tell you how wonderful that experience is. And if you want more information, call me. Uh, Brian will give you the contact information. Contact me, but it's it's run by Movers in Florida, it just, I yeah. cannot say great things about it. I'm going to be speaking at the IAM annual convention conference in Toronto, uh, second week in October. And as you said, third week, or 16, 16th, 17th, 18th, uh, and in Monticello at the New York State Movers. And you can always, we can have a Teams call uh, anytime. I've never been accused of being at a loss for words anytime you want to be. <laughs> On a Zoom call or a Teams call, I'm here. Love to talk to people. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, a shout out to Wade Swigel, who has kind of put those Moving Titan retreats together. Uh, I have not attended yet. I've been invited. Uh, just haven't been able to pull the trigger on that. But he also has the Grow Your Moving P- Company podcast, which is great. So uh, more resources there. But um well, I, I appreciate your time, Ed. Uh, w- when we close out, we'll make sure everybody has access to all of your information, but I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, educating us a little bit about office moving here, giving us a little teaser anyway. Um, but always wonderful to chat with you. Really appreciate everything you've done for us um, and that you continue to do for the industry. So, uh, you know, thank you for joining us. Thanks for finishing early enough so I can go back into the nursing home now. <laughs> Oh, I see. They they're coming to get you, right? Coming to get me. <laughs> my All lunch right. meal. Listen, my lunch is about to be served. Thank you. Oh, there you go. <laughs>